0: world schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Have you heard of the magical place where you can discover hundreds of kids' podcasts in one safe spot? Storytopia is a podcast app created for kids. It's a space where parents, kids, and caregivers can discover the best kids' podcasts. Storytopia is an incredible tool to help educate and entertain your curious kids. Discover wonderfully whimsical stories, unlock, and uncover shocking science facts, and learn the history of everything from Hypatia to hot dogs. Discovery starts as soon as you download the Storytopia app. Find it in the Apple App Store or at Storytopia.com. Storytopia. Storitopia.com. Welcome to Honey. i homeschooling the kids. I'm Robin Robertson, the creator and host of this podcast. First, I want to give a shout out to our wonderful patrons that support this podcast, thank you so much, and to a few new patrons like Chantelle Wade and Stacy Bass, or Stacy Bass, I'm sorry if I don't pronounce that correctly, but I want to give a special shout out because it's through your patron support that we're able to continue the podcast and have it free and accessible to all families. And to do that, we receive support from our patrons as well as our sponsors. So a big appreciation to everyone that does that. And if you're interested in becoming a patron and to see the new updates for 2023, you can go to my community tab on my website to find out more. Just so you know, a little teaser. Now my live monthly Q&A where you can ask me anything, gain encouragement and support is accessible to every level. So go to patreon.com slash homeschooling the kids or to my website and Homeschooling the Kids under the tab My Community to find out more and join for as little as $3 a month. Yes, that's right. Okay, my second update before we get into this fantastic episode, answering some amazing questions about homeschooling and unschooling is how to be an awesome homeschooler summit is back March 24th. You can mark your calendar. Kelly Edwards and I have been working to get this next summit up and ready and fantastic and powerful. It's the three-piece, purpose, persist, and play are our themes. We have an amazing keynote lineup from Julie Bogart, Leah Bowden of Modern Miss Mason, and Mr. Chaz. Along with that, Kelly and I will both be offering workshops workshops that speak to neurodiversity and self-directed teens. So this is one day. It is audio only. It is live. You can join and ask us questions and the keynote questions live as well. It is so engaging, unique format. Go to the website, how to be an awesome homeschooler, to sign up, to learn more, to get any early bird specials. And as well to receive the free digital swag bag when you sign up, and then be connected to this wonderful community. So we're looking forward to that, and stay tuned to find out more. How to be an awesome homeschooler.com Okay, so this episode I'm excited. It is actually a recording of a live discussion, live Q and A discussion that Leanna Francisco, who's a grown unschooler, and I recorded in my club, Honey, I'm Homeschooling Club on the Clubhouse app. It was so good. It was one of those ones where I can't not share it on my podcast and with the listeners on this podcast, just in case if you didn't hear it already. It's actually a series that we did in the club, Answering Hot Button, Homeschooling and Unschooling Questions. We took about half a month to focus on questions that were sent in specifically for this series. So questions that we talked about, we discussed, we dissected at length in these discussions In particular in this live discussion was Questions I'm sure that you have, things like, what happens when my child is not interested in anything? We are doing unschooling or self-directed learning, but they don't seem to have any interests. And everyone talks about following your interests and your child you know, really taking off on their interests and on their own. What happens if they don't have an interest? And what happens if they don't seem to be doing anything all day? They don't do anything all day. That was a great question that was sent in. Another question was, how do we go from a structure like school to freedom? What is the transition supposed to be like? What's the transition to independence? So we have a fantastic discussion on that. We unschool, but I have a child that wants to do workbooks and school stuff. Is this still unschooling? How do we work with that? That was another great question. How do we know when to trust and when to guide from a distance and when to intervene. What if our children need support? What's that fine line of trust, guiding from a distance, and then looking outside for support and help? That was such an impactful discussion on that as well. Am I enough to do this homeschooling thing? I think that's some of our biggest, deepest fears in that, right? Really, am I enough? Am I able to do this? Am I enough to do this? And how do I talk about unschooling to my family and friends that are just coming upon it and don't get it at all? How do, how do I share that my kids are learning if it doesn't look like school? So those are some of the questions that we focused on in this wonderful discussion, plus more, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Looking forward to it, and enjoy the episode. So, Liana, why don't we get started, because uh, then... I think everyone, as well as the Saturday, we can all enjoy the rest after and getting back to our families too. And I know we've got some fantastic questions that we've been. Um, I've kind of had the theme for this week: unschooling challenges. And even though we say unschooling challenges, it's you know a lot of it deals with just you know diversity in in how we live our learning life and the challenges that come up with that as well. Uh, and so. We get to have our Saturday, our Saturday room has kind of been on hold for the last little bit, and it's nice to gather again today because our title Connection Over Academics, but, you know, that's always our theme, right, is Connection and Relationships. But we're addressing those questions that have been coming in uh, this week on this topic, schooling Challenges. Uh, with that theme in mind today, connection over academics. So welcome everyone to the room. Uh, I'm Robin Robertson. I'm the creator and host of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids podcast. And this club is an extension of that, extension of the community and supporting and answering questions and inspiring um, all of us that are on this journey. So I've got two kids. Uh, we've been doing this for 10 years and counting. Uh, my kids are teens now and... Um, yeah, so we are here to discuss, to support, and learn. Anything I missed, Liana? Anything you wanted to say before we dive in? And you can put your questions in the chat as well. Um, it's a great space and place. Or tap the hand-raising to come up and ask any questions that you would would like to dive deeper into. Well,
1: no, I don't think so. I think we should just dive in with um, the topics and obviously the questions that we've been getting this week. Because um, some of you might know, Robin and I were supposed to do an Instagram Live together this week. but That was the morning I woke up super sick. So we postponed that. So there's definitely been some questions out there that we're wanting to answer for folks.
0: All right. Okay. So I'm just going to my page here. (laughs) So the first one, I'm just going to start, if I'll start reading out questions and then if anyone else has anything to add, another question to add, you can put it in the chat. But, uh, you know, on our Tuesday room, we really talked about the big question of how do we articulate to our family uh, what we're doing, but that our child is still learning, even though it doesn't look like school. We really dove into that in our Tuesday room. The replay is available. If you look back on that, it was myself and Tyra and Robin Kaye, Rainy Robin, we call her, um, Also, you know, even I did a live on Thursday and, um, just be, Liana and I couldn't do it together, but I talked about the the question of, you know, when we have the temptation to do things that we think are, will make us feel better, but maybe they're not aligned with our children's interests. And also the question of not comparing our kids to what school kids are doing and learning. And that live is saved on my Instagram page as well. But I thought we can go over those. But the first question I thought we can maybe dive into is because we haven't fully really focused on this one yet is what happens if my child's not interested in anything? You know, people talk about unschooling and a chance for the child to focus on these interests and passions and dive in and get really good at these things. But what if my child's not interested in anything and um, they are not really doing anything during the day? They're kind of just staring into space for the day. What then? Uh, Where do I go from there? That's the first question. <laughs> I
1: think that's such an interesting question because I think the first thing that I would say if someone comes to me with that, which I have had people do before, like, well, they don't want to do anything ever. If they had their way, they would just sit there or they would just play video games all day. And right there, there's already a clue. Well, wait, they'll just play video games all day. That is isn't interest. Or, oh, they'll just, they'll just sit in front of the TV and watch Paw Patrol. Or they'll just sit in front of the TV and watch whatever. And those are... That is an interest, that is a desire. You can you can already see that. So but the first thing I would say is maybe take a moment, a week, maybe two weeks, to write down what your kids are actually doing, the conversations you're actually having with them, the questions they're asking you, the things that they're consuming, even if it feels passive to you of video games or television, whatever that might be, I would notice. I take a big moment to notice what's actually going on. Because I think oftentimes when we think they're not doing anything or have no interests, it's that we're not recognizing those interests, right? Because they don't look like how we would expect them to look, uh, and I think that's a really just important piece to be aware of. Also, because I think a lot of unschooling type parents have read some really awesome books or stories or connect heard amazing amazing stories from people about. Um, really passion-driven children, children that are exploring a deep passion, and they're so immersed in what they want to do. And this parent just has to give them more resources to keep accomplishing this thing that they love. And so that's what they're looking for when they say my kid's not interested in something. They actually mean, what's their big passion that I can help them develop to be just like so good at something at age eight years old, right? Um, But the chance that your child has no interests I think are extremely slim. And most kids, in my experience, don't have that big, deep, singular passion, particularly when they're younger. So the first thing I'd say is just notice, just notice and reframe your expectations of what it means to have an interest or a passion. Um, and then, you know, there are definitely days when I notice My son in particular is kind of having a hard time finding something to do, and he wants to just go back to watch another show or something like that, ask to watch YouTube videos on my phone or something. And then I can sort of tell that he's feeling a little bit stuck, and it usually just means that I need to stimulate the environment a little bit more. And oftentimes, he acts like he doesn't want to do that thing. You know, I'll see like, oh, we're going to go to the park, or we're going to go meet up with some friends, something like that. Um, but once we get moving and you know, once we do it, then it sort of shifts the energy and he is interested in things. Um, he's not interested in anything that looks like academic learning. And I think to some people that would be scary at this point that they have a five and a half year old that doesn't really want to study anything. They want to just play and play with their Legos and, and do that, that live that life, play with their friends, play in the dirt. Um, but to me, that's right on track. Uh, so That's the big thing that I would focus on is where, what are they actually doing? Where do their interests actually lie? Um, Robin, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I agree with everything you shared. Uh, And I think as well, looking at, so there's a few things as well, expectations um, and understanding as a parent, especially with ages. Um, you would mentioned that sometimes, you know, there's a worry A child is five or six and we expect them to be, you know, sometimes I think the idea of, you know, if we really break down our expectations, we want them to be like an albestein in some specific, but they're young. They just still need some, um, you know, they just still need some just quiet time or just some just time, free time to play uh, and they and it's absolutely normal not to have a, a focus specific interest as well maybe they have numerous ones and maybe they are our interests but for us we need to step back and just observe and um, not trying to put our worries onto them. Uh, I think actually keeping a journal, like you said, writing down, observing, and then keeping note on what their our kids are doing, or what they're saying, what their questions they have, uh, conversations they're engaged in. Maybe something that does kind of turn their head. There might be things that they are doing that we have just failed to notice as well. Um, and so sometimes stepping back and observing. Keeping a journal on those things to help us maybe have a different um, perspective or shift on what we're seeing or understanding as well. Yeah, Sometimes as well, um, with the, maybe the information that we're taking in, we think that our kids, um, we're expecting them to live like an adult or do like an adult when they're still children. So again, that perspective uh, of what development they're at, how old they are, their ages, and their needs might not be in line with what we think that they should be doing. I definitely think that's something that we, um, you know, that something that we need to step back and ask ourselves as well. You know, what is also realistic (laughs) about our expectations and what we think that they should be doing, Um, and then you know. It's okay to have downtime. Uh, where um, okay, I see Stacy had put in. Sometimes a concern is more about the feeling that we as parents aren't doing anything to support them. We are bored, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's also an important part of being able to step back and observe and really see what is happening because maybe there might be something that we have missed because we are consumed by our concerns and worry. And it might be there in front of us, but we just need to take the time to notice it. And it be something where there may be many things that they are, enge- they are engaged in, but we might have missed that. But maybe they, you know, maybe they do need a little bit more support in um, helping resources, find resources or access to resources. Um, maybe it's... Um, you know, I'm thinking like maybe they they went over to a friend's house and they were playing with some Lego. And that's actually something there. You know, maybe they they're ready to move on to a next stage of Lego or something like that. And they just need the Lego to do it. They need the access uh, or maybe if they're older kids as well. I mean, I have older kids. Sometimes it is a matter of us offering support if they are older Maybe it also might be something where it is access to um, to life. You know, maybe they need help to step out into the world to connect with others, uh, and maybe we are the like the conduit. Maybe we are the the connection piece on that that maybe they just need. Whether that's encouragement, whether that's a ride. Whether that's meeting people and connecting with a mentor or a volunteer opportunity or something in the community or a job um, or information, and again, I think that's partly stepping back to observe, to be in conversation, and maybe there is something where you know they they there is an emotional need maybe that they need, and uh, by us. Being able to step back and observe, and then be in connection and conversation with them, there might be something that um, there is that they're missing that we can provide. But instead of going in into it as a conversation of angst and worry, uh, com, you know, recognize, like, I, I love you, like you want to, let's let's hang out for a bit. How's your day been today? Or um, you know, sharing, sharing in a joy or sharing in something that, that you love about them and just maybe being just present and not saying anything, but just inviting the opportunity to share or inviting them out for a walk um, or, you know, inviting them to go with you to the supermarket or something, to the grocery store and having that drive there. You know, different things that we can still do to engage with them but increasing or building or keeping that connection so that that conversation can also happen with you and them so that they can share or you know or maybe even learn to voice um maybe a need that they have but they just don't yet know how to put it into words does that make sense
1: yeah it really does i also um when you're mentioning supporting the kiddos oftentimes I think when people have the kid that's like, oh, they don't have any interest, they just are waiting for me to tell them what to do. That's a big sign, right? Because you might have a kiddo that's maybe was in a structure a more structured environment when, from the time they were little. Maybe they went to preschool or school or something like that. And so but then we as parents we read about unschooling, and we're like, Oh, we're gonna do this. So we just like say, Okay, kid, be free. And the kid is like, what do you mean? Like, what are we doing today? What's the plan? That's not my job. And that can be really overwhelming for them, right? So oftentimes I found success with kids that come over to play in my house that are more used to structured stuff. I'll just sit down with them with the kids and I'll just sort of start playing with something you know so I am leading them but I'm not leading them in like a directed way I just lead them by example I sit down with the Legos and I start playing for a little while or I get out a board game and start setting up and say hey does anyone want to play with me I was wanting to play this and then they can come out and that's just like it's like an invitation but it's an invitation that you bring yourself to also not just an independent invitation that you leave out because I do think that sometimes kiddos um, need that transition. To of like kind of being taught how to cultivate creativity if they're used to relying on other people to to do that for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, And, you know, we've talked about many times that, you know, self-direction is like a a muscle as well, that you get to practice and exercise and build, uh, especially if we've come from a place where we have never had the chance to be self-directed, um, and then all of a sudden we're there. It can be a really big. It can be like a boulder that you're carrying. You're just like, how do I walk forward with this? I feel almost crippled by it. Um, you know, you, what what direction should I take? What should I do? Um, so sometimes it is just the invitation. Um, it's modeling by us as well, and uh, a slow step into
2: it at times too. I'm Meredith the creator of Storytopia, a kid's podcast app designed to make podcast discovery easy and safe. As a mom of a young and curious child, That's me! I've spent a lot of time searching for age-appropriate podcast content. Not only has it been challenging to find the right content, but nearly all podcast players are designed for adults, making it difficult for me to feel comfortable about kid-led discovery. Storytopia was built to solve this problem. Parents can download the app, create a parent profile, then create individual kid profiles selecting their age and favorite categories. This helps us automate a playlist of podcast recommendations based on each child's unique interests. Little listeners can also customize playlists with podcasts they know and love or explore the library of podcasts by category or location. Playlists can consist of just one show and all of its episodes. For when you want
1: to binge a show like Bobby Wonders Six Minutes.
2: Or a list of curated episodes about a specific topic.
1: We recently created a playlist with lots of different shows about ancient
0: Egypt and the 100-year-old discovery of King Ted's tomb.
2: Join us and discover with Storytopia. Download the app today on the Apple App Store or go to our website at Storytopia.com. S-T-O-R-I-T-O-P-I-A dot com. What will you discover with Storytopia?
0: There's some great conversations going on in the chat, so definitely head over there um, and, and read, read what's being shared. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Cindy had mentioned that uh, we've been so conditioned to think that to be learning, it must be difficult. Yes. How many times have I heard like, "But where's the rigor? It has to be difficult um, to be to learn." Um, and so Cindy says we have to de-school the idea that engagement can be easy, so that we don't have to feel guilty and insert ourselves where it is unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. I I hear you, Cindy. And Stacy said my biggest issue was all the learning was happening on YouTube, and all isn't in, in capitals. So we created a scrum during the day. Tell me something interesting. I was astounded at what they were consuming and found interesting. It often sparked debate, which showed these incredible and critical thinking skills. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think sometimes that is the, you know, we see the consumption of something like YouTube. And um, and having I like that idea of having a scrum or a discussion so that also you can understand what they're engaged in what they are interested in what they're taking in and i do think sometimes you know there might be some deciphering to happen or some um some um um, explanations um and critical thinking i think is a big thing i think those conversations are important for critical thinking because you know we know the world of social media there is a lot of information shared that is You know, it is skewed in many different ways on all sides, not just talking about one side, but on all sides. So I think that critical thinking aspect and conversation is also important, too. So And Carrie shared that morning um, when we jumped with both feet, not looking back into unschooling, the academia took a backseat connecting was forefront. Yes, our daughter is life learning. And uh, Tyra shared that all their life talks happened in the Walmart parking lots. Yes, I think the vehicle is a place where a lot of conversations have happened for us as well, the long drives, and um, it's amazing what can happen in a vehicle or in a parking lot, for sure, so, and there's more great conversations. I have another Absolutely. question, Liana, what do you, I'll pass Well, it to I was
1: you. just gonna, I was just gonna say the one thing about the learning not always looking like learning, right, and, um, and there might be other questions around that too, but just to realize, you know, if your kids are watching YouTube all the time, you had a great example of, you know, when you actually start talking to them, oh my gosh, they're learning so much, but even something that doesn't look like it's educational, I mean, my son, this was like almost two years ago, we were looking into maybe buying a yurt, and I said to him, let's go look at these yurts, do you know what a yurt is? And he said, yeah, they're from Mongolia, and I was like, what? And he's like, I saw it on Jet Rescue or something like some TV show that he was watching, I was like, oh, Okay, cool. And like he just like I had it taught that to him. He learned it and he and he retained it and he was able to tell me about it later at what was maybe maybe four years old. I don't think he was even four yet. So it just they learn so much through life. They really, really do.
0: I agree, yeah. And it's also important sharing in the excitement of it as well instead of like, oh, why are you wasting your time on that? Tell me more. You know, what is it? I don't know about this. Like, tell me more about this. Like sharing in the excitement and joy as well um, supports that too. So I think that's also something that's important. Okay, so another question that uh, we have, oh, this is this is a good one, and then this is another one on, actually, it's kind of connected to this last one we are talking about, I have a child that wants to do workbooks. Is this unschooling? <laughs> I love that. And of course, she, she um, you know, tongue in cheek as well. She's like, I have a, my children are so different, but one totally just wants to do workbooks. And I don't, I didn't kind of see this as unschooling. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Do you want to, do think, you want to begin?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that the way that, I, I always like the way that you define unschooling, Robin, and in the, in the fact that it's like, what do you say? It's the the child decides the what, when, where, and how of their learning, right? That's unschooling from your perspective. And, um, and did did I say that correctly, Robin? You
0: did. And I try and okay. and and support in the caveat as well that that's also defining that or giving the definition in a in a way when we're in the schooling understanding framework and reflecting on that, thinking of it like you know in that way, even though it's more than that so much of it is really laying the environment and relationship that's really the deeper part of unschooling that is harder to explain and doesn't isn't as easily definable yeah, I totally um, but that. I just I just I use that definition as an easier definition that makes sense
1: when you're talking about instead of curriculum or whatever you know, just like it's an accessible definition yes um, and so So that absolutely makes sense to me. And, you know, and for me, I also say, you know, unschooling is just it's child led and they learn through life is the way that I think. But I think I say that often because that's how my parents said it. My parents would say, oh, we don't use curriculums. Our kids just learn through life. And um, so if your child desires worksheets, how is that not unschooling? You know, if they think that's fun, if they enjoy it, I mean, how is a worksheet different than a Sudoku puzzle, you know, or different than um, any sort of fun engaging activity like that it's I've I oftentimes enjoyed those things as a child I didn't really like math worksheets so they weren't interesting to me but I liked doing all sorts of different coloring sheets and stuff like that that I enjoyed as an unschooled kid and it was because I was interested in it they weren't any different to me than a coloring book or a cool activity book that had the word finds in it and all of that stuff it was all the same category of um, fun with paper and fun with puzzles so i I've actually also had people come up to me as unschoolers and be like, oh, well, we're unschoolers. We're actually, my kid takes a couple classes at the public school. And then they're like trying to like tell me is that okay? Are we still unschoolers? And my thought, is was like, oh my gosh, of course you are. Does your kid want to take the class at the school? Or are you making them do it for some reason? And they're like, oh no, they're really, really interested. They really wanted a lab science. And I didn't know how to do that. So we sent them to the school for the lab science. And it's like, that's beautiful. That's exactly unschooling. So I think we put a lot of ideas on people that, or people somehow have interpreted that if your kid isn't outside with a stick, um, then you're not unschooling, right? Uh, but it's, it's child directed. What does your kid want to do? How can you follow their lead? And that to me sounds like an unschooler. If your kid digs some workbooks, just keep handing them to a man, keep finding them more.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I have a child who has enjoyed workbooks over the years or has specifically requested them. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and one child who saw the other one wanting them and thought, well, maybe I should do it too. So then request it and then realize, no, this isn't for me. Um, so, but yeah, and you know, when we do get the workbooks, the one thing is, is it's still very, you know, the learner directed in the way that I'm not like, okay, now we got these, let's make sure we finish it by this time. Or like, why don't you have your workbook out? Don't you want to do a couple more pages? Uh, it's, it's, it's very you know you, here you go this is what you wanted i got this for you if you need any help i'm here for you if you need anything with this let me know what it is um and honestly sometimes it's just like just sitting and hanging out with them and and you know being with being with my child um while they complete them and um and sometimes they the whole thing gets done and sometimes maybe only half of it or a couple pages and then they're ready to you know they've got what they needed out of it as well so yeah, it, you know, unschooling can look, it, it looks different for every learner as well. And the same with classes. Um, and also, you know, you get to a point, too, where you just can't, you just can't help them at some point. Their knowledge has surpassed yours, or you um, can help get resources, but they need something more. And so, you know, you know, for example, my daughter right now, she wanted to learn to read music. She plays guitar, but, you know, she can play by ear and um, she uses YouTube a lot to learn songs. And she got this new songbook that had both music and her chords. And she just was like, I think it's I'm ready to learn the notes now to be able to read music. Um, So she's taking a music theory class and learning to read And something I cannot teach her. I can't read music like that, like very basic from my piano lessons when I was like six, seven years old. But beyond that, I cannot. So um, a class was the right thing for her. So we looked for something, and, and that's what we found. And, you know, that's what's working. And it's, you know, once a week, the same time every week, that she has to be online for this class, and she does it. There's homework after it in between, and she completes it, and You know, it's it's been a really good class for her as well, and there's been other classes like that for both of my kids. So. Well, and
1: another thing I want to acknowledge too, and that is like sometimes also your kids need to do things with other adults. You know, that's also another important factor, too, depending on what your community looks like. If your kiddos, they just need to spread their wings a little bit and be out in the world a little bit more. You know that when they're asking for it, when you when you, you can see certain things about their behavior and when they're ready to be doing a little bit more and wanting to, to hang out with other people and have, finding a class in the community that they can take might be just right for that. My son now is taking Taekwondo locally. He does it twice a week down the street. And it's so great for him because he gets to build relationships with so many more people, so many more adults and teenagers that are his instructors. And it's just so excellent for him. And I certainly um, don't know Taekwondo. So that's not something I'm going to be teaching him.
0: Yes, I hear you. Absolutely. And that's part of it, right? The life learning and connecting with others who are mentors, who are who are great teachers, who know those things and do well in those things. So Absolutely. Okay, so the next question is, um, and yeah, I'm trying to also keep up with the chat and read the chat. There's some great conversations in there. I love it. Knowing when to trust. So, This question came in, and I might have to give a bit of context, because I had to actually ask for a bit more context, and what was shared was really interesting. I'm not sure if she's in the room today. If you are and recognize your question, Jen, you can come up or put it in the chat as well. Let me know. But the question was around knowing when to trust and guide from a distance. So when to trust and guide from a distance, and then when— to know when to intervene and possibly for support if your child needs additional support in something. Um, So this parent, this mom, is actually a a former educator, and um, she actually, I think, has some um, therapy background as well. She unschools her kids, and um, one has... And I didn't actually write this in the notes. I have to go back to our conversation. Um, one does need some support. So her question is, you know, she's like just trusting herself. When when do I trust myself? She's actually got extensive knowledge and experience herself, which is always interesting. But she's still lacking some trust. And she's like, when do I trust and guide uh, trust them and let them guide themselves. And then, when do I know that if they do need that extra support, um, when should I intervene? So, that's a fantastic question, Liana, Did you want to speak to that first? It's so
1: interesting because I think it depends on you know what she's talking about. You know, if she's talking about that they're not developing in a certain way in academics um, and that the kid is choosing to do something intentionally versus um, just trying to ignore something. I mean, I don't know, like I always think back to my math piece, right? So when I was a kid, many of you have heard this story a million times. I didn't really study math. I wasn't interested in it. My mom would every once in a while get really nervous and buy like every math manipulative and cool tool she could possibly think of for me to get inspired to learn math. And I just, I wouldn't have it. I wasn't interested. There was so much else I would rather do with my time in my life. So by the time I was like 14, I still hadn't learned math. I wanted to go to the college the next year. And so I had to get a math tutor and I learned then. But if we're talking when I was 11 years old, and if my mom was looking at that situation and saying, oh gosh, she's still She does not know her multiplication tables. She can't do long division. I mean, this kid still refuses to do this. Is it? Do I need to intervene at this point and make her do this in some way, or get her a new resource, or get her a new person to learn from, or something? If if that's the sort of intervention we're talking about, or support that we're talking about, you know, I think that's that's a that's a line of really figuring out what you're what your why is around unschooling your kids. Like, what are your goals around unschooling your kids, right? Is your goal that by the time my kid is 18 years old, they're going to have known everything that they were supposed to have learned as a public school student? Is that your goal? Well, then maybe you do want to start intervening and make sure that they've learned some of these subjects, right? But is your goal something different that you have a a well-rounded, lifelong learner who can learn whatever they need to learn when it's time for them to learn it, when it's applicable in their life, when they're inspired to, then maybe you don't need to intervene. But if we're talking not about an academic subject, we're talking more like about I have a kid that is feeling discomfort around something. They want to learn to read and they're stressed out about it. Maybe, you know, and it's more about an emotional thing and providing that support to them for that. You know, I think sometimes people think unschooling is like is unparenting and unsupporting our kids. We just let them do their own thing and they'll turn out fine. I just have a hands off approach. Right. But there's times when we can intervene and support. Like if I had had a phobia around math or something and my mom could see that there was a phobia there that needed to be supported, supported some real fear or some insecurity around my ability to do it. That's really different than just not having the interest there. What are your thoughts, Robin?
0: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, and I think that is something that the confusion of that as well, that unschooling is like you're completely hands-off and it's just laissez-faire, like you just, it's just leave, leave it, right? You don't do anything at all, Um, when actually it is very engaged and being in connection with your kids as well, so that if there are times for support, you can um, support or help them too. Um, And, and, and looking at, you know, when the nuances of it all. I'm just gonna actually, she had shared, she's not in this room right now, but this is a little bit in our conversation what she had shared. She said, I guess it's rooted in that am I enough question that always gets tossed around in the brains of homeschooling parents. And if there are times when you truly aren't and outsourcing is needed, I find that the nuance of that isn't discussed. It's often one extreme or the other. You need tons of intervention or zero intervention. But if you are unschoolers, is there a reason to bring in people who are experts in something – and she put experts in quotations – in something like dyslexia, or is time, interest-driven, and child-centered learning going to be more beneficial? Um, And she had shared as well before that, um, yeah, she is a former public school teacher, school counselor, and she has her own private practice, and she decided to homeschool her kids and take them out of school so that she could do things differently. Um, and because of her background, she's been able to spot things um, in terms of differing neurobi- neurology as well. So I think it does actually is go back to the goal, uh, what you were saying, Liana, you know, what are your reasons for either homeschooling or unschooling? And knowing that, you know, I think always the biggest reason as a parent is support our kids in the best way that we can support them and that they can be supported. And, um, you know, With that, are our goals or our values or our reasons um, meeting with our kids' needs and what they need as well? So if it is something where um, you're feeling that you do do need some extra support or they need some extra support in order to meet those connect with those values and goals then yes Um, and you know it's also it's also one of those things too where you can get support and work with it as you're unschooling or as you're homeschooling and you know, this is a whole other conversation as well, where there is a lot more support now uh, with with others who are either um, homeschoolers or unschoolers themselves that work in the space. Um, Roya Dodo has been on my podcast quite a while ago, but she's an ungrown unschooler who is a, a family therapist. And... One of the things that she loves doing is supporting unschoolers uh, because she understands, right, and supporting families, especially young people who um, have a different learning experience in life because she has grown up through that and she's seen what it's like for herself as well. And um, actually, I'll share her episode too, and her and her connection up um, in pin, the pinned link. But she also recognizes that the conversation is also very different than with, it is with someone who is attended school and who lives in a very different framework and environment. In that way, um, so she recognizes those nuances and those approaches that are very different, and it isn't the same. Um, in the support where you know you're at home with there's a parent who can do those things and be attentive, in maybe a way that a school they might get lost within the school classroom, um, or how you can do things a lot more naturally and with loving care and connection than you could than if you're in a your child is in a class where there's thirty kids, a teacher, and an aide who has to help you know, five other kids within that classroom. Um, Or they don't have to worry about getting through the school day, coming home exhausted, and then doing any other extra support after school for hours and then waking up exhausted again. Well, then it becomes another situation because of those, of the resistance and the, you know, physical, mental, emotional exhaustion. Um, So, sometimes that is having that support is really good because you can work with it in a fantastic way within the framework of your unschooling home. Um, yeah. So again, I think that's about observation, communication, and those conversations.
1: That's so good, Robin. Um, I think it's really interesting that she was able to clarify to you that it comes from that feeling of, you know, am I enough? as a parent, am I enough to, can I do this? Do I have what it takes to do this? And that does go right back to the values. Like, what do you mean? Do you have what it takes? Like, what are you trying to do here? You're trying to raise a human that um, is, is who they need to be in life. Is that, of course you have what that takes, you know, if you stay in connection with them, if you don't lose sight of that. And then specifically around that question of the dyslexia piece, again, it's about, What are we trying to accomplish? If we have a kiddo that is 8, 9, 10, 11, still struggling to read, from my perspective, if they are struggling to read because they have a desire and they're not able to get that and you've been supporting them and and they're frustrated because they're not making progress— and the child wants that, then absolutely find some resources. Um, as as, As soon as the kid's frustrated and you feel like you don't know how to support them, find some resources. But if the kid is happy digging piles of dirt in the backyard and having you read aloud to them, and they're listening to audiobooks and getting all the information they need to other ways in life, and they're not stressed out by this, in my book, I would not push that. I would never push that. And that also might be because I uh, my husband has, you know, major school school trauma from being a dyslexic young person, you know, um, 35 years ago um, and all the things that they did to intervene that just made him feel worse. Right. So I think that, um, again, it goes back to how do we want to live and why are we doing this? And And that not enoughness is so interesting because not enough for what? Just keep putting that back in your perspective. You know, if we're unschooling our kids and want them to have school-type outcomes, that's a really important piece, to a really important expectation to explore for yourself. So if you're unschooling and you want your kid to be like a school kid in their academic learning, you're going to unschool differently than an unschooler that wants their child to develop naturally.
0: Hell yes. Thank you, Liana. <laughs> I think that's a point that gets missed as well, right? Um We love, we hear these ideas of unschooling and want to do something like that and incorporate it into our home. But at the same time, our values or our goals or our concerns, our fears are very school-based, are very much like we want the results to look like this, but we want to do it through unschooling. Um, Sure, you know, that can happen. But at the same time... You know, again, going back to okay, what are your values? What's truly important? What's your purpose in choosing to do this? What's your why in this? And does that connect? Are are your choices aligning with that? Um, because if you have specific expectations that you're going to unschool them and then you want them to start school at a certain time doing hardcore exams and all these benchmarks and all the sort of stuff, um, and then it doesn't happen uh, within a certain specific time that you had these expectations on, it's like, okay, let's rewind. Um, or if you're expecting them to be um, every one of your kids to be reading, like, you know, I don't know, uh, Dostoevsky by the age of 10, and you know, and then at 10, they haven't even started reading yet. Then, okay, let's let's relook at our expectations and what we want as well. So, well,
1: and I think we do have a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of stories in the unschooling world of academically exceptional unschoolers. And so I think sometimes when people are excited about unschooling, they think, oh, my gosh, if I unschool my kid, I'm going to have a kid that's, like, doing um, academic research when they're 13 years old because they're so passionate about this, you know, specific subject. Or I'm going to have a kid that wrote six novels by the time they're 18. This is going to be so rad. Right? So I think that sometimes we put this on our kiddos. Like, I have a little brother who was unschooled. He learned to read independently by three years old, and he started college at 14. Like, this is like, these are the things, stories that people hear that they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. I want an exceptional kid like that, too. And your exceptional kid might look really different than that because they're exceptional in different ways because they're their own person. That's the beauty of, of unschooling is that you get to actually see who your child can be for themselves. And we're all different. Not all of us are going to be interested in academics at a young age.
0: Yes, yes, and yes. I just actually want to take that clip and replay it. <laughs> Because that's the crux of it, right, Liana? And and also part of that is, you know, honoring our kids and seeing our children for who they are. That's sometimes hard for us when we have those certain expectations, right? Because if it doesn't line up with those expectations, how can we honor them for who they are if that's completely opposite to what we're expecting or what we want or what we want reflected on us? Um, Yes, so that's like, that's difficult. And then, yeah, there's going to be a lot of resisting in our homeschooling or unschooling life if that's it's kind of framed on that, if it is framed on that, right? Then it goes back to doing the work, like our own personal work of, um, you know, what what do we want and why? Where is this coming from? And is this really our expectations or is this expectations out of fear from something or someone else as well? Um, having those conversations with ourselves, and then, you know, and then kind of going back to our environment, to our home and okay, this is, this is what we want or this is what I want or this is what I thought I want, and this is how I thought it was going to play out. Um, and then you know having that with our family as well. Um, getting on the same page in that way, or communicating and hearing each other and that is so important. Understanding, again, yeah, what do we really want, understand and know and, and why is very important. I think we actually it would be good because it came up again um, just to kind of reference as well. And if anybody does have a question that you we might be missing, please let us know in the in the chat. Liana, let me know if there's anything I've missed in the chat as well. Um, But this came up again through the I don't know if that was just missed. Um, But how do we? You know, if we and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this from the framework of okay, we've done the work. We we've got to you know we've kind of started clearing out those cobwebs of okay so you know what my expectation was actually this I I did want to unschool but I had these very I I wanted my kids to actually look like this when they unschooled and I'm understanding that maybe that's not unschooling or um you know maybe I'm you know I'm not ready for this just yet um I do just want to say as well that, and that's okay. You know, everybody's at a different space and place and time. You know, if you're if you if your homeschool is looking like you're looking at Charlotte Mason and but you're like trying to unschool, but you know, what, Charlotte Mason kind of style best connects with your family, then fantastic. Do that. If it's something else, if it's just you know project based, whatever you need to incorporate, I usually it it ends up all being pretty eclectic, anyways, right? (laughs) If we're looking at our what fits our family best, then um, do that. Don't feel like you need to even title it something um, or label it something. Do you let your kids do them, Um, and that's going to look different, and also different stages and times as well, Um, and. I think the biggest thing, again, is going back to this whole connection over academics, um, connecting, making that the priority first so that if there is certain things that we need to support a little bit more, we can see that and, and do that as well, especially as our kids go through different stages and ages and development too. Because what's happening at 10 looks very different at what's happening at 14, it looks different you know, at 16, at what's at 5 and also recognizing that too and what they need to, for support. So saying that, um, what I was going to uh, say, that maybe we can kind of recover as well, because how do we articulate this to others? Um, how do we share with family, especially with the holidays coming up too, um, that our kids are still learning, even though it doesn't look like school?
1: It's such an intense thing. I think. One of the big things that I try to frame for people when they start to ask me things. So this has been an interesting year because um, Francisco, my son, has now been—he's five and a half, so he's the age when he would have started kindergarten in our area, right? So that's when people start thinking about academics, and so people now ask him questions like, "How do you spell your name?" and "Can you tell me the alphabet?" You know, stuff like that, where like they think that's like a fun way to engage with kids and he's just like super not interested in those things so he's not um he's not having it and then that brings up conversations he's like oh well what are you guys doing for school right now and what are you guys studying and someone asked him the other day what's your favorite subject at school and he was like what's the subject (laughs) he's like I don't know what you're talking about I just live right um so one of the things I I just live
0: yeah Yeah. I I, I don't I don't live in subjects I just live
1: Yeah. And yet he still is doing what looks like academic learning in his own way. So, for example, he's doing a ton of counting. He's doing a ton of math, like math recognition. He notices when he sees um, equations and things. um, He saw a little piece of it. Of a price tag on the ground the other day and it looked to him like math it wasn't math but it sort of but the way that it looked it just looked like a math problem to him and all the symbols were there and I was like oh yeah it was an expiration date but it looked like that and I was like oh yeah I can see why you think that he was like it's 10 minus 1 I was like yeah what is 10 minus 1 he was like I don't know and so we counted and we figured it out and he enjoys those things um, he was just the other day I was actually on a clubhouse call last week or a clubhouse room and he was able able to um he just got a bunch of paper and he started writing f's out for some reason he wanted to just write f's and he was enjoying that and having fun doing that because he was excited to do that himself um so when i when the conversations that i have with people is around that our timeline is different that i have no expectations for when he gains certain skills and these are for people that i choose to actually engage with so that they can understand these are these are grandparents these are aunts and uncles these are close family friends people that i'm invested in them feeling good about what we're doing this isn't the grocery store clerk this isn't acquaintances or neighbors that i don't really care what they think about our family. These are people that the relationship matters, and I would like to do my due diligence to to let them know what we're up to so that they can feel comfortable. If they don't feel comfortable after that, after they understand what we're doing, that's on them. That's not on me. But there are people in my life that I I want to make sure that I've tried to explain to them what we're doing so that they can feel good if, if they want to about it. But I talk about timeline. Our timeline is... Is our own timeline, and I have no concerns that throughout his childhood he will learn the things he needs to learn. And as he gets older and notices that there are certain things he doesn't know yet and desires to apply himself to those, then we will do that. Then we'll we'll do that in a more more um, focused way. And in fact, recently a few times he's mentioned the desire to be able to read books independently. So I said, oh. Would you like to sit and learn that together? And he says, no. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Let me know if you do. He's expressed an interest in learning piano. And I know music because I have a bachelor's bachelor's degree in music. And so he and I actually have started some piano lessons at home where he sits with me at the piano. And we're formally studying piano for about seven minute lessons at a time. And he is enjoying that. He wants to learn that. So for me, it's around timeline, and that it'll all happen as it needs to happen. But the other bigger, even bigger thing around timeline is we don't have some sort of arbitrary thought in our head that when our child is between the ages of 17 and 19, they're going to be done needing us as their parents. And I think that's a really important piece. He's going to be ready to be independent, uh, you know, economically, socially, emotionally, when he's ready to be. So that might be 15 years old. You know, Robin, you have experience with a kid that's gone pretty far out into the world independently at a very young age. Um, I know for myself, I was ready around about 17, and I started doing a lot more independent things. Um, but there's other, other young people that wait a lot longer. My husband was closer to 22, 23 before. I mean, he was independent from his parents, but there was other adults that supported him in his development much further into um, his young adulthood because he wasn't really ready to be independent yet. And so we're all really different with what age we're ready to sort of fly from the nest. And we don't have an expectation that he has to be gone at 18 years old or without it at 18 years old. And so he'll learn what he needs to learn when he needs to learn it. What's your thoughts, Robin?
0: Yes. Um, yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> My thoughts are, I absolutely agree. It's, um, and, and I also want to add to this too, because there is also a, an, another part of the question um, asked in the chat and the expectations from others. How do you navigate the expectations of others? Again, I, you know, it's going back to, okay, why are you choosing this learning lifestyle? You know, why, what about it suits and reflects and articulates your core values and what you want and what's important? And really understanding that. And and when you understand that best and are able to voice that or explain that for yourself and talk about that with your family as well, then I think it's that much easier that if something comes up, you can talk about that within conversation with others. I do agree what you said that, you know, sometimes we worry about how we're always going to present it to the public when the public doesn't necessarily need to know. Nope.
1: Um, (laughs) Not the general public.
0: No. And, and what you said about like for those that matter, for those that have an intentional, loving relationship and connection with your child, um, those are the ones that we can put, you know, maybe some more focus some focus energy into a conversation with. But having to tell the clerk at the store or anyone else that maybe we barely know, um, you can also choose to say this is our choice. Thank you. I know you have your choice, and I respect that too. Have a great day. You don't have to say any more, as well. Um, I know it's also personality. Sometimes people are maybe are comfortable or uncomfortable saying that, but um, just to know that you actually don't have to meet everyone's expectations because we'll never meet any everyone's expectations. Um, and it's, I think it's really hard to put that on on us as parents to try and meet everybody's expectations that we come into contact with. Um, That's pretty tiring as well. So I think that's just something to remember. But getting clear on what's most important for you and your family, what's most important for your kids as well. And within your own home and safe place, articulating that and having that as a continuing conversation. And then that helps to articulate it with those that matter for you as well. So, um, yeah, that's what what I would share. But also, I know this is question has come up for us before, Liana, as well. And we both say, like, you know, I don't—it is different for me because I do have my podcast in the community, so a lot of people already understand or know what we're doing. Um, and then within my other workspace, uh, as my, my role in, um, um, you know, as a trustee as well, that obviously comes up because I have to just— in, for my work, I talk about education all the time, essentially, in different, in different ways. But at the same time, when we're just going out to the store, um, we're not announcing it. We just do our thing. And I don't feel like I need to engage about it all the time, 24-7. So... Um, and then it also becomes easier to, to also discern who's really asking because they're interested or who's asking because they have a button pushed and maybe they want to pick a fight or they're so uncomfortable they just got to um, maybe push it back on it. and um, and you know, And then it's kind of like, I don't need that in my space. And I recognize it and I can just shut it down right away as well.
1: Yeah, you do start to get... Get the um, the vibe, you know, you're at a gathering and someone starts asking you questions about what you're doing with your homeschool. And you can tell pretty quickly if there's someone that is looking to criticize just to, to basically to to see if you pass their test of whether you're doing enough or doing it right is really the energy of it. Um And because I I get I think most people would consider homeschooling a legitimate choice, assuming you're doing certain things or you do it a certain way or your kids are reaching certain goals um, that they are standards that they have. So I think that's a that's an important piece to realize, you know, with the holidays. Kelly and I just had a room recently about boundaries and we talked a lot about holiday boundaries and the conversations as well. So people might want to check out that replay. Also, I think it was just this last Monday that we did that room, but that's a really important piece
0: about saying, no. yeah, it was no
1: is a complete sentence. You're right. I think that's what it was called.
0: That was a good one. Yeah. Really good. good. We and um, we had on our Tuesday room a week ago. We had a or two weeks ago on we had our topic on boundaries as well. Teresa Wiedrich joined us, um, homeschool um, mama self care, and um, it was a fantastic one on boundaries too. And defining like boundaries versus rules, but especially we talked about boundaries within our own home as well. I think you guys also talked about boundaries outside of that, but it's a great conversation.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely the time of year to just root in your values. I think that's probably the most important thing. If you're going into a space where you know people are critical of your family's choices, just double down for yourself about um, your why, why you're doing these things, and, and remind yourself that You don't owe anybody explanations about how you choose to live. You just owe yourself to live authentically. That's all that really matters, right, is that you're living in alignment with your own values.
0: Yes. And the other thing I was going to say, too, is, you know, if we're going into a space, too, where you are with others that, you know, maybe you need this conversation, you do have to engage in for whatever reason. It's one of the great things to do is share all the joys. Share your wins, Share what you love about your days and um, approach it instead of a uncertain, um, trying to answer it in the framework of, you know, what are they doing? And, you know, physics at this time, how does that look like? What does that look like in your unschooling? Share in the joys of what you've been doing. And I think we... We forget or we don't see when within our own life the wonderful things that we're doing with our families and ourselves. Actually, I don't think for every parent in this room, you don't give yourself enough credit. I really hope you do. I don't think it's sad enough that you're doing an amazing job. And often we come to this, these conversations with our, our doubts and our fears and our concerns and the things we think we're doing wrong when we're missing all of the things that we're doing so well. And there are so many things, and I know a lot of people in this room, um, whether we've worked together in different capacities, um, you know, quite a few of you have been in my master classes, whether you're, you know, we've connected outside and become friends, you've been on my podcast, or I'm just starting to meet you. I know the wonderful things you guys are doing. Like, I can say, like, I know what you're creating, how you are, like, focused with your kids, the intentions that you have. It is remarkable. And, um, and if you're not sure, just let me know and I can tell you as well. I can DM you and let you know. But I think that's um, missed often. And when we go into those conversations of trying to maybe even defend what we're doing, we think of it in, you know, okay, these are the things maybe I've missed and how could I work around this? Talk about the wonderful joys and the wonderful things that you're doing and, you know, things like I think Robin Kaye said, and a lot, like the connection they've been able to have and share And the laughter they get to share with each other, you know, talking about those aspects, it's like, how can you downplay that your children maybe are happy, you know, happy and are well rested more so than they have been in years? Or that you guys have finally been able to have a a heartfelt conversation that was really difficult before. Um, or that, you know, things were shared that you weren't sure that were going to be able to be shared or felt safe, you know, created a safe space to do that. Or that maybe your child has had, like, it's been struggling and struggling and because they've been able to slow down and step back and, you know, they've been wanting to read, maybe they've been able to read their first sentence and it's taken them years, actually, in order to do that, but now they feel safe and comfortable to do that. Those are huge wins, huge wins. And um, I think that's something that we can articulate more, especially in those conversations. Oh, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is what we love. Because the other day, you know, it was like a snow day. And I know everyone was complaining about going, but we, you know, we put on our our gear and we went outside and we like snowshoed and we hiked or, you know, we took care of, we visited a friend who was really sick and we dropped off some soup and we, you know, we were... Doing some good deeds or what, whatever those you know those things that brought you love and joy, share those. They're important. And then think about your like your experiences, what it is, so that you can be reminded of that as well. I think that's so often missed. We focus on the problems or the worries, we don't focus enough on the good too. And and that's not being like airy fairy. You know, life is perfect. I it's not. <laughs> Trust me, I know it's not. Um, but that's part of the work as well too, right? So. Yeah, knowing those things is important, and sharing those things are important. I love
1: that. I love also just the thought of shifting from what you're sharing about your homeschool, shifting that it's around the connection and the experiences overall that your family is having, as opposed to something that looks just like the academics that your family is accomplishing. That's a really cool perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I we're we at our time, um, and I know my family's hanging out around here outside of my door. And uh, Liana, you you guys are yeah. I want you to be healthy and well. I do want to share. Uh, we've had some great. Um, feedback in the chat. I love all of the shares. Cindy Gaddis is in the room today. She's been sharing some wonderful things in the chat. She is our next for my Patreon community. She's a special guest for November. So we actually have a live Q&A with Cindy. Um, If you don't know Cindy, she has a great podcast episode with me. I'll share that right away as well. Her book, The Right Side of Normal, is fantastic. I've gotten so much wonderful feedback from the interview as well with Cindy. Um, So the patreon community um i will share this right now too so you have the link right now until the end of december it's the q a's are open the live q a's are open to all levels so it's a great time to take advantage of it as well um but it's patreon.com slash honey i'm homeschooling the kids i do a live q a every month and sometimes we have special guests liana has been a special guest that conversation was so good um and this month it is with Cindy Gaddis. So Cindy, I'm looking forward to that conversation. And she's a mom of grown unschoolers, seven kids, Cindy. am I? Is that right? Seven kids. Um, but I definitely want to invite you guys to that conversation. It's going to be a good one that I'm looking forward to as well. I'm just trying to, as we talk, go back and pin that here. So Liana, what would you like to leave?
1: Oh, I just, just it's been such a good conversation today. I don't have anything specific to add. Except that um, it really, when you have those moments of thinking that you're not enough, that you're not doing enough, that your kids are falling behind, that you're falling behind, that you guys aren't going to catch up, just take a moment to think about how you guys are actually feeling. How are you guys doing as a family, as a unit, and dig into that. Are people enjoying their days? Or are they not enjoying their days? That's where it all stems from. And no academics are going to be successful or or stick with the kid or really matter when those pieces aren't in place. So just always lean back into the core of connection and you're going to be gold and you don't have to worry about the rest of it. The rest will fall into place.
0: Absolutely. All right. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you, Liana. The link is up top for my Patreon. Join our community. You can read more about that. That's linked to my website as well, about my Patreon community, if you want to join us for that live Q&A. And um, Liana's episode is on. Liana, we still have to do another episode as well. So Yes,
1: ma'am, we do.
0: I, I share some of our Clubhouse rooms, uh, um, the recordings as episodes too, but uh, we're gearing up to do another just you and I um Uh, on that as well so if you guys have questions for liana and i on that definitely send them to us so all right thanks everyone we will see you on um well for liana's room on monday nope ashley's room sunday morning um she's got a great room coming up sunday morning so just go to the club you can see the schedule for all the rooms coming up this week and supporting you for the rest of the month have a great day bye everyone Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com.